right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time for that. Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Nick Springer with Derek Johnson. That's who I am. Uh, This is RCST on KLWN. Losing my voice a little bit. Just straight to business. I know. Straight straight to to business. business. Well, I'm losing my voice. I I have less words to flowery. Do I need to to carry? Maybe. Um, I'll tell you what. As of about... What time do the Chiefs game start Saturday? Like 3.30? Yeah. So as of about like 4.15 approximately on Saturday, that was the worst sports week Maybe of all time. I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you last week that it has the potential. I mean, K- it had the potential. KU, or it could have been the best. Uh, KU loses to K-State. Then KU gets blown out by TCU. Yep. Patrick Mahomes gets injured. They and get, it's like... They get blasted. You got to be kidding me. But it's Patrick okay. Patrick Mahomes is hurt. Chad Henney took over. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Uh, Patrick Mahomes came back, played on a hobble, hobbled ankle. Yeah, we Ended up winning the game. We good. So, I it's all good. Maybe. I will say... What's that? The beauty of KU playing tonight on Big Monday, quick turnaround. So you don't have yep. that taste in your mouth too long. Yeah. Now, if they yep. lose again, then it's, it's like, like... the Like the baseball effect. Like, yeah. the next day, you just go out and it's 0-0 again. Mm-hmm. Now, but like you said, if you just get blasted again, then it's like... That's worse. Oh. But, we just got blasted twice there. in three days. Mm-hmm. That's pretty bad. Well, four NFL teams are left. Two conference championship games, which we'll have for you here on KLWN on Sunday. Only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer. You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take a shot on an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. You can not just bet on the conference championships. Chiefs uh, down to one-and-a-half-point favorites, I think, last I saw. You can also bet on the game tonight with Kansas and Baylor or anything else going on. So Kansas getting one yep. and a half points. The over under one forty nine. It's down to one and a half. Yep. Kansas is like, at plus one hundred five money line. I think it was like three at one point. And you can bet on some of the player pl- props too. Let me know if any of these interest you. Dewan Harris eight and a half points. Grady Dick thirteen and a half. Jalen Wilson twenty and a half. Kevin McCuller ten and a half. KJ Adams eleven and a half. Grady Dick thirteen and a half. I feel maybe the best about even though he's cold yeah okay i think he'll i think he'll 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 get it turned around uh rebounds grady dick five and a half jalen eight and a half kevin five and a half kj adams four and a half i kind of like all of those actually like well, all of them <laughs> they can't all hit obviously no i guess i'd have to go with uh mcculler and jalen as the two that i like the most okay mcculler and jalen because kj averages like three rebounds a game in conference play basically I think. Yeah, KJ doesn't get a ton. Would you dare take the under four and a half? No, because I want to root for my guy to get rebounds. I'd rather just not wager. Okay. And then so, I can just be happy that he gets rebounds. So if you did Grady Dick over 13 and a half points, uh, I lost the rebound stuff. You had uh, 
uh, K, no, not KJ. You had uh, Jalen. Jalen Wilson over. Eight and a half. Okay. Yeah, give me that. And then you had Kevin McCuller? Yeah. Why can I not find Kevin McCuller? Oh, well, <laughs> we're, we're not including Kevin McCuller. Okay. Um, can I get DeWan assists? Yeah, sure. DeWan okay. assists. I don't know. How many do you want? If it's lower than... Oh, I can just take a number? You can, or I give can me, give you the over-under. The over-under is six and a half, but they also have a... You can do five, six, seven, eight, plus, nine plus. I'll do so five. I'll do five. Okay, five plus. Yeah. So, same game parlay on DraftKings. Dewan Harris to have five plus assists. Jalen to have nine plus rebounds. Grady to have 13 and a half, over 13 and a half points. Pays out plus 215. There we go. See if it hits. There we go. You can do that at DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code KLWN. New customers can bet just $5 on the conference championship and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Deposit, wagering, and parlay restrictions reply. Eligibility in terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Uh, well, the KU game on Saturday certainly was not fun. KU gets blown out by TCU. Yeah. that uh, yeah, it, was, it was less than ideal, for sure. Just a very flat game from KU. And you yeah. would have thought coming off the loss to Kansas State, playing in front of your home crowd, that they would have kind of got up for it. Okay, here's what I thought, especially... As as the game got further in the first half, first of all, it, it was actually fourteen thirteen at the under sixteen timeout in the first half. KU was shooting really well, but obviously so was TCU. TCU was like seven of eight from the field at that point. But once the game started to get away, or in the first half, it felt to me as though everyone from KU was just kind of waiting around, expecting a run. And when that happens, somebody's got to do something, okay? And Jalen actually, Jalen tried, right? But it that's what I mean. I don't know. That's what it felt like to me. It felt like the players were like, okay, at some point we're going to get on a run here, but then it just never happened. And then, I mean, I think they did go on an 11-0 run in the later in the first half, but the 11-0 run was to cut it from like a 19-point game to an 8-point game. And then TCU still ended the half up by, I don't mm-hmm. even know how much they ended up by. So, I, I don't know. It's like, it felt like it was this weird effect where, some of the players seemed like unconcerned. It's like, oh, we're at Allen, you know, we'll make a run. Well, they run if it's too little, too late. It doesn't matter if you get a run. So that's kind of what it felt like in the first half. And then in the second half, it, there was just there was just nothing. It was besides Jalen, it was nothing. It's almost like you've gotten comfortable playing from behind and not having good starts. That you've gotten comfortable to a point where it's just like this nonchalant leisure yes. of oh we're down what a, uh, no big deal we'll come back yes and what you saw in that game is they came back to make it 10 and a half but then i don't know if they ran out of steam or you've just played with fire too much that eventually you were going to get burned like you were down what 14 at most of k-state something like that um yeah you were yeah, down 33 15. 33 19 was the worst it got okay. in the first half against k-state you're down 15 to oklahoma state you're down 10 at the under five for oklahoma. like you keep doing that eventually you're going to lose games you know what i mean yeah and yeah. so it's it's all fun and well when they're having the comebacks, but sustainability-wise, you can't keep doing that. And against a team like TCU that is quick in the fast break, like you can't just be casual. You can't just be nonchalant about it. I mean, how many times did KU just give TCU easy two-point buckets off of a half-court, at mid-court, they're trying to throw it into the front court, and it just, boom, two points the other way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Season it was high just, in turnovers. Yeah, it was just too casual, it felt like, I think. And it too, like I said, it was still almost of a sense of like, oh, you know, we'll 
we'll turn it on eventually. And then it just never happened besides Jalen. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how you want to read into that. But, again, another game where I, I feel bad for Jalen. I mean, a Herculean effort. He's mm-hmm. doing everything he can. And, and again, for people that are going to be upset that Jalen's taking all the shots, Grady is ice cold. Kevin McCuller does not want to shoot. He has absolutely zero interest in shooting. His confidence is, like, so far gone. It, it's actually, like, I was thinking about this. I, it might be it might be unrecoverable at this point for him. I don't know. I mean, he looks completely, completely rattled. So that's not good. Something's up with Dewan. Dewan I- is really struggled, and KJ couldn't get into a rhythm because of foul trouble again. Yeah, I think Dewan. Like I, I go back to that K State game when he hit his head on the floor. Like I, you think I don't know if he's been right since then. Something I really happened? don't. Um, I, I know they checked him for a concussion and they said he cleared protocol and everything. I don't know, man. Uh, something's just been going on. Um. But it's just why I don't understand. Why can this team not start well at home? We talk about Allen Fieldhouse magic, and there is, but like, yeah, you, but you, you can't, can't just, just rely on exactly. It. Yeah, yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. You can't, you can't rely on that. And that's kind of what this game felt like was they got down early, and then they just it felt like there was they were going to rely on that. I mean, has there? I I don't know. Like uh, this would take some some tough checking to figure out, but I wonder if there has been another year in the Bill Self era that KU has started zero and four against the spread at home. In Big 12 play. I know against the spread isn't like the be-all, end-all, but sometimes it can be a sign of how you're doing to expectations. Yeah, and I do think TCU deserves a lot of credit. TCU played an A-plus game. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was, I think, their best game of the season by far. I mean, I haven't watched them every single game they played, but (laughs) that looked pretty damn good. I mean, that was an A-plus game. You you can make the argument they have the deepest roster in the Big 12. Yeah. when they play their A game, like we saw them beat K-State by 14. Like, they are a very good team. Yeah, they came in with a chip on their shoulder. They, they shot above their weight. Yep, they came in and executed very, very well. And, you know, that, that, that I mean, they deserve a lot of credit. Yeah. Now, I will say, on top of that, though, this is a team that was bottom 15 in the country in three-point percentage, and they went 8 of 15 from the perimeter. Yeah, you don't expect that. They also which, went 13 like, of 16 on free throws, which you don't expect that either because... Which, like, you know, for, for KU fans, that's that's almost a broken record at that point. Oh, here comes a team that doesn't really shoot the ball mm. very well, and then they go 8 of 15. Okay, yeah. yeah. But listen, that didn't matter no, in this didn't. game. It didn't, okay? They could have... TCU could have gone 2 of 15 or 3 of 15, and they still would have won by double digits. I mean, that, that wasn't the reason why they lost the game, right? Yeah. I mean, there are other games where you could point and say... Wow, this team is not a great three-point shooting team. They got hot. That's why they won. That was not the case here. That was not the case at all. TCU thoroughly outclassed Kansas for basically 38 minutes. I mean, the first two minutes, Kansas was at least shooting well enough early to keep up with them, and then they just pretty much got outclassed the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. No, like they they shot um, 13 of 16 at the line. That's 81%. On the season, they're 71. And they also shot, like you said, 53% on threes. Um, on the season, they're I think it's like what twenty nine percent. Yeah, like a, a little below thirty. They're twenty nine point eight even after that's, that. That's game like now. bottom fifteen in the country, I think. So let's say hypothetically, I make them even four of fifteen from three in that game, which it's, would be twenty seven percent. So that's still, even below their average. They still win. And by, I make them eleven of sixteen at the foul line. They still win by fifteen. <laughs> yeah, that's getting rid of what fourteen points. So I guess they, they win by, by twelve. So they still win by nine. <laughs> yeah. So like. That's not why they. Yeah, yes, that's, that's it was not why TCU won. But yes, it's not why. There TCU are other won. games where you could say this team just shot the lights out. That's why they won. That was not the case here. This was just complete. Yeah, pretty much dominance. Yeah, and, and I mean, finish. how many wide open layups did you give them, or or easy runs to the Absolutely. basket where yeah. it was it was kind of a a head start for them getting to the hoop? Like 
That was probably KU. I don't. I don't even know if I should put the word probably on that. That was KU's worst defensive game of the season. Yes, I would say so. I know Bill Self talked about it in the post game that, you know, you look at what they were doing in like a game versus Indiana versus that game. He was like completely night and day. It's almost like they've regressed defensively. Well, it's almost it, like everybody besides Jalen Wilson has regressed. It's weird. Well, and again, what was missing, especially early in the game? What was missing? Energy. That's the one thing that again I kind of circle back to of. When we were talking about this a couple weeks ago and we asked a couple of guests, hey, what what's what's the big difference between this team playing well versus when they're kind of struggling? And all of them independently said energy. Energy is the difference, right? When this team doesn't have the energy, they just are flat, and that's exactly what we saw. And to compound that issue, as we've highlighted, they have some depth issues. I mean, there's not a lot of guys off the bench that, that can do that, right? So when you're asking, you know, basically your five starters to contribute a lot of energy consistently, especially now in conference play when you're playing two games a week, or practically three games a week, like that's going to wear on you. So I, I, it's tough because the bench doesn't seem like they're going to be any, you know, there's no Remy coming off the bench anytime soon. Mm-hmm. There's no guy coming off the bench that's going to give you a shot on the arm really. You know, like I said, unless, unless Joe has a revelation, unless MJ has a revelation, which doesn't really seem like it's going to happen, I don't know. And then, and then on top of all that, you look at what Jalen's done for you in the past two games, and yeah, he's been great, but it's been two loss, it's been in two losses, and how how long can Jalen keep up, keep that up? No, yeah, I, I mean that's that's what's scary. He's I mean, averaged if, thirty dude, four Jaylen, these last two, and they lost. If Jalen has a bad game, yeah. against TCU, they would have lost like? by forty. Yeah, <laughs> that's very scary. I mean, so it's yeah, it's 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 less than ideal. Well, that all that all being said, I just want to point out that. Around the same time last year, Kansas lost by 20-plus to Kentucky at home in Allen, and they ended up rallying and being fine. Now, this is a little different because it's a conference game, so you feel a little worse about it from that standpoint, but I still think this Kansas team is is going to be all right in the Big 12. They're still probably going to be top three in the Big 12, although if they want to win the Big 12, they probably need to win tonight. Yeah, But this is still a team that's going to be a top-four seed when I say top four, I mean, you know, one, two, three, or four seed, not like number one seed overall. Top four seed in the NCAA tournament, probably a two or a three seed. I mean, again, if Kansas still, you know. If they win if the they Big 12, they'll going, get a one seed because exactly, the conference so If good. they end up going 12 and six, A, that might be good enough to win the conference, and B, yeah, that's still going to make them probably a one or a two seed, right? Yeah. So I, I, I urge caution in terms of hitting the panic button. Yeah, no, I know def- people like to I know people like to hit the panic button. I think I think this is going to be fine. It's it's going to be a rough stretch certainly. You've got Baylor tonight, Kentucky. But the Kentucky game uh, you know, depending on the outcome, I don't want to read into it too much. It's a non-con game. Like it's just kind of whatever. But you'd like to see a, certainly some kind of bounce back tonight. Yeah, for sure. So the Kentucky game last year, um, you have that, and then you win it by nine at Iowa State the next game, and then you beat Baylor at home by 24. And at that point, that following Saturday, you were like, okay, back in on this team. So yeah, it, it can easily change. Like you said, I, I'm far from the panic button, but I, I think what this loss does for me is, is kind of what you were saying. If they lose tonight against Baylor, eh, it's kind of an uphill battle for the Big 12. And, and even yeah. then, though, they're not out of it is yeah. what's crazy because yeah. – Anybody in this league could go on a stretch of two or three straight losses. It's just, I, I think what that, that game Saturday was, it was the first wake-up call. It was the first wake-up call that we think this team is good, 
but there are avenues toward it being just a you know solid KU team that that's not one of self's better ones, right? I think like, it I think it confirmed what we pretty much already knew or already suspected, and that is that if you just roll up in in Big Twelve play and just get off the bus thinking that you're going to be able to just roll in and get a W, think again. Like you're gonna get rolled. Yeah, that's against exactly, anyone. Yeah, that's that's exactly no what happened against against TCU, right? So, I think to your point, that's that's kind of the wake up call aspect of it. Is like, okay, if you just get off the bus thinking you're gonna win, yeah, you better just get back on the bus because you're gonna already have a you're, you already lost at that point because that's not how it's gonna work in in the in the conference this year when you've got a team like TCU that when they're playing at their best is a top four team in the country maybe. I mean, enforcing turnovers and fast break points. When you've got Texas, who's very talented, Baylor, Kansas State is obviously up to number five in the poll. I I guess they're legit now. I don't. I mean, I don't know. You have to call them what they are. I guess they're legit. You got Iowa State, one of the top defensive teams in the country. Like, and Iowa State just lost to Oklahoma State, and Baylor, this Baylor team barely beat Oklahoma. Kansas barely beat Oklahoma. So if you if you show up and just think, oh yeah, you know, we're just gonna we're just gonna we're Kansas, we're gonna show up and win, that ain't happening. Mm-hmm. That ain't happening. You know, back to the defense, and I do think the energy is the biggest contributing factor to games where they've maybe struggled a bit more defensively. This is wild. Um, They have had five games this season where they have given up 100 or more points per 100 possessions based on Ken Palm's defensive efficiency. All five of them have come in Big 12 play. So, like, coming into into conference play, NC State at 99.8 points per 100 possessions was the most they'd given up. Next most was this, was Wisconsin at 95.8. No other game in the hundreds. It was 104.5 against Kansas State, 104.6 against Oklahoma, 107 against Texas Tech, 108.1 against Oklahoma State, and 117 against TCU. So, I mean, you're looking for improvements for this team to be had. I mean, certainly they need to figure out getting any other offensive options besides Jalen Wilson. But you want to look at the real reason what's going on? They got to figure it out defensively because Bill Self's sitting there going, listen, I don't care if none of you get your offense going. Let's start winning these games 62-60. I don't care. Start playing defense. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, listen, defense travels. Defense is the calling card of some of these other Big 12 teams, right? Like, that's what lets you overcome a cold shooting night. I mean, you're right. I mean, you take away Jalen, and everybody was very cold for Kansas. And and you compound that with what you just talked about with their defensive efficiency, the result is a 23-point loss. So maybe that's, maybe that's what it takes. Maybe you start on the defensive end, and then that can help maybe build some confidence for a guy like Kevin McCuller to, to make some plays on defense. That can build some confidence for a guy like Dewan Harris who – Looks a little shaky running the point against TCU. I think the other issue here for Kansas, though, is they've got to solve the K.J. Adams conundrum, which is if he can't get in rhythm, if he can't consistently build off of, you know, quality possessions offensively and whatnot, and he's in foul trouble, can't, I mean, I don't know what the solution there is. No, we saw, we saw Ernest for a little more than we had seen in quite some time. Yeah. And that was almost forever. You know, and, and and even MJ Rice got on the floor for about two minutes in the first half, which was which was befuddling to say the least, because I don't think he even touched the ball. And I don't think he did anything on defense either, like wrong or right. He was just there and then he was just gone again. It feels like that's all of KU's bench, does it not? 
It's like, oh, they were on the floor. They were just kind of there. Well, but at least, like, you know, Joe goes, like, one for three or something. <laughs> or I don't know. So, I don't know. That that was weird. I mean, I don't, I don't know if that was just Bill saying, get some, you know, I don't know if that was Bill. Maybe it was Bill just in frustration, just motioned to the bench that the first guy that stood up got in the game. I, I don't know. I don't know. So at that, this that point, was, it's just trying anything and everything. Yeah, so that that was interesting. But but seriously, I, the KJ Adams situation, I, I think, is very concerning. I mean, now, consecutive games where he's been in foul trouble and been unable to really get anything going, and I don't think it's any coincidence that they've that Kansas has lost both those games. So which of the four start? Because it's been a one-man show right now with, with how great Jalen's playing and then how much the other starters have struggled. Which of the other four starters are you most worried about this recent trend? And which of the other four starters do you feel like, I think they'll shake it off quickly? I am least worried about Grady Dick, which may seem kind of surprising considering he's a freshman. And I actually thought it was a good sign he went 3 of 13 as opposed to just like 3 of 8. He yeah. kept shooting because yeah. you need him to have the confidence. He's going to yeah, have to so keep shooting. I'm, I am least concerned about Grady. I am most concerned about it's really a tie between McCuller and KJ. Like, I, and when when I say I'm concerned about KJ, I don't think I'm concerned about KJ mentally as much as I'm just concerned about if he can't get in a rhythm and if he can't stay on the floor and he gets in foul trouble a lot. Like that just negatively affects Kansas. So I w- I would probably say it's McCuller because, yeah, it just dude, it's it's not there. It's not there at all. Yeah. I mean, he he is shaking in his in his shoes as soon as he catches the ball on the perimeter and he's even got a sliver of a chance to shoot he's looking to pass he doesn't he has zero absolutely zero interest in even attempting to do anything when it comes to shooting from the outside yep. well that's, bas- that's bad that's bad basically you've you've tightened I mean, your margin for error now i mean i can't really blame him considering how things have gone for him the past three four weeks now but I, you know and and I, you know listen i don't even know how to shake that off i mean i'm not I'm not. I'm not trying to say, or come after him really too hard because I. I don't know what I would do in the same. I mean, you know, I. I don't know. Yeah. Just, no, it, it's a, a tough situation. So yeah, like I was saying, you basically ruined your margin fair. Now you can't lose another home game. Um, we did say on Friday, you know, if you split the next two with TCU and Baylor, you'd probably take it. Yeah. And we we kind of floated the idea like, oh, hypothetically, if you lost at home to TCU, beat Baylor on the road, like it'd you're, still be fine. You're pretty much fine. So you have that opportunity yeah. now. It's just yeah. you are now playing a more dangerous game because if you lose this game, it's uh, certainly going to be in trouble because at that point, again, it's not that you still couldn't win the Big 12, but you'd have K-State, which is one loss. You'd have three. You'd have two other teams with two losses. You'd be tied with Baylor, and they'd have the head-to-head. TCU would be a win away from tying you and having the head-to-head. So, like, it's just there's a lot of teams you would have to leapfrog and yeah. move through, and we've seen KU teams go on runs. Uh, if they lose tonight, it's still not the panic button of they can't win the Big 12, but it puts you in a really difficult position to do so yeah. if you do lose this so game. This is a big combo of games. KU playing Baylor tonight, and Baylor's 4-3. Baylor's and three. They started 0-3. They are now have won four straight. So between this game between Baylor and Kansas, and K-State plays at Iowa State, at Iowa State tomorrow night, and then the next conference game for KU and K-State is going to be each other again at Allen. So if Kansas can't get it done against Baylor tonight and K-State beats Iowa State on the road, that kind of puts that kind of gives K-State yeah, almost, far in the a, driver's seat. almost yep. a stranglehold at that point. Yep. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, some KU football talk next. They picked up a couple of commits over the weekend. 
We'll recap the Chiefs' playoff victory going back to the AFC Championship for the fifth straight year coming up shortly here. We got a case of the Mondays, some KU Baylor preview talk, and uh, plenty more coming throughout the show here on RCST. A couple pickups for uh, KU football over the weekend. Dylan McDuffie is a running back from Georgia Tech. He uh, started his career at Buffalo. He committed to the staff when Lance Leipold and, and the staff were at Buffalo. And uh, 2021 had a really good season with the Bulls. Over 1,000 rushing yards, over 5 yards per carry, 11 touchdowns. Decided to transfer up, went to Georgia Tech last year, struggled to find a ton of playing time, 22 carries for 45 yards, um, but clearly has a lot of talent, somebody familiar with the staff, and uh, good pickup for KU. Yeah, and I mean, you lose Kai Thomas in the transfer portal. You expect Daniel Highshaw to be back fully healthy for you next season. Obviously, Devin Neal as well, but yeah, this is a good pickup and a guy that looks like he would have an opportunity to, to get involved with the offense. And uh, furthermore, I mean, you look at a guy like Tory Lachlan for Kansas who was able to, to find some play, right? I mean, I the I go back to Andy Kolnicki, and even Lance Leipold has said this too, but Andy Kolnicki saying, you know, we're going to put the best 11 guys on the field. If it's five running backs, it's five, it's five running backs, right? So, you know, if, if you're good enough to if you're good enough to be the, one of the best 11 guys in, uh, out there on offense, you're going to find a way out of the field. And so that's that's really exciting. I mean, and with, with Andy Kolnicki, we've seen the different stuff that he can draw up with, with – uh, formations and plays and stuff like that. So it's exciting. And obviously, again, you you do lose some production with, with Kai Thomas uh, entering the transfer portal. So it's nice to know that you're going to have Devin Neal as an number one guy. You're going to have Highshaw again as sort of that uh, that in-between-the-tackles runner. And McDuffie might have a chance to, to also get in the mix there. So certainly a good pickup for, for KU, add some more depth. And, and again, Lance Leipold, I mean, he's, he said it all season long is all – you know, depth and competition is always a positive, and this staff really believes that clearly. So that that should also motivate some of the other guys in the room as well. Yeah, and clearly uh, that depth comes into play over the course of the season, like yeah, we I saw mean, in the Kansas State game where Devin Neal's a little banged up and Savion Morrison's sick and Kai Thomas is hurt and you're playing a bunch of, um, you know, snaps to Tory Lachlan. And no disrespect to Tory Lachlan, who, who I think has done an excellent job and everything, yeah. um, in filling in for them in a bunch of different ways. But you just you, you want to have as much depth there as possible, and and that's what this guy adds. Clearly, a talented guy. I uh, don't necessarily expect him to, you know, be ahead of Devin Neal or Daniel Highshaw there, but you never know what's going to happen with all those injuries over the course of a season. So yeah. uh, you needed that other guy after you lost Kai Thomas. The other one they added was a high school commit. That was Jacoby Davis. He is a three-star corner. He had some SEC offers, including from Georgia, who just won the title. So he also he also had an offer from Michigan. So two of the college world playoff teams offering this guy. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And at five nine one seventy, you figure he's probably someone who's more of a slot type, nickelback type corner, and uh, you know maybe getting in with the strength and training staff and whatnot, he can he can, you know, bulk up or whatever they need him to do, but. Yeah, a guy that sounds like he has a, a lot of potential. I mean, he's—I believe he's Kansas's third highest-rated recruit uh, coming in. So that's that's very exciting. And I think uh, I think as you said it before, you know, if you get a top 800, top 700 guy, that's for Kansas. That's that's a pretty big deal. And I think this guy's kind of in that range. So uh, certainly a, an exciting pickup. And I know he won't sign his letter of intent until like February when actual signing day comes around. So they had their. The first wave of guys that are already all signed, and then this Davis is the first guy from that will be signing with the actual signing day, which is in February, I believe. Right? 
Yes. Yeah. And I mean, you look at it in the future, you could have a couple like legitimate SEC corners. You had the LSU transfer come in. Yep. Um, you, you tack on this kid in a couple of years, who knows? So uh, certainly they have a lot of talent in that secondary room and, and he kind of adds to it. All right, with Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Kansas City Chiefs took down the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're heading to the AFC Championship game. Let's talk about it next. Kansas City Chiefs moving on to the AFC Championship game. Not just moving on, they're hosting the AFC Championship game for the fifth consecutive season. That is a record. It's unbelievable, man. Uh, unbelievable. And and to think, I, I saw somebody put this out today. Uh, all five years, if you look at like EPA per play defensively, this is the first year of the five straight that Patrick Mahomes has even had a top half NFL defense, <laughs> and this year it's 15th. Okay, the year they won the Super Bowl, though, the defense It was playing up. a lot better the at the end of the year, yeah. Up. The defense turned Yeah, I think it was ranked 18th for the season, but like by the time the playoffs were there, they turned that up. was closer to like a top 10 defense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah easily. Yeah, I mean, and uh, also since 2011, the AFC title game has been played at three different locations. Patriots, Gillette Field, or Gillette Stadium, Mile High Field, Arrowhead. That's it. So in the last... What is that? Last 12 years? Last yeah. 12 years have been at three spots? Just remarkable. Anything is possible, yeah. man. Yeah, Chad Henney, the GOAT, man. That guy's so good. Dude is is just incredible. Chad Henney is what people think Chase Daniel is. Yes. He's but, this. Okay, in all seriousness, people joke around about how being a backup NFL quarterback is like mm-hmm. the greatest job ever. Probably, I mean, it's it's still tough. It's still oh, stressful. Yeah. I mean, that's very stressful. I mean, you come into a be, playoff game almost, at your own two yard line. Yeah, it's almost more stressful because you're constantly preparing, but you never actually know yeah. when you're going to be called upon. Yeah. So yeah, it's a great job, sure. But but listen, when you when you're called upon, and you have to come in like you got to you got to gain the confidence of that first team offense. Yeah. Like ima- imagine if if whatever like nine to five you work, um, you're just like you know. You, you do a bunch of spreadsheets or presentations or whatever, and like you, could, but you're not you the could, guy. They never have you do it. They just uh, your boss is just like, I want you to prepare these presentations. And they never call on you to actually present them. Yeah, and then all of a sudden one day randomly they're just like, Hey, can you present it? And you're like, Wait, what? Your your boss falls and twists his ankle. Yeah, and suddenly you're in. Put me in, coach. You're in there. Present that, that presentation. That, that, Go 98 yards. That drive kind of won you the game. Oh, it definitely did. It was the difference maker. You were 98 yards. It was Jen literally the difference maker. Yeah, I just, and it was funny because I, I looked at the box score after the game and I was expecting to see Chad Henney be like six for eight for 54 yards, you know? Yeah. Did you look at the actual stats? I didn't I didn't look at what Chad Henney did. Okay, this will be fun. Would you like to guess? I mean, I've already. I think he had like, I think he had like 30 yards. It was 23 yards. Okay. He yeah. went five yeah. of seven for 23 yards. Yep. Which if you look at that on his. You know, people are going to look back in 15 years and be like, oh, geez, they got some tough numbers and <laughs> average three yards a pass. Well, because on that drive, Pacheco had one of the, what had a big yeah. run on that drive. And a lot of his passes were, hey, it's third and one. Let's throw a three-yard out route, pick up the first down. Yep. And, and so it doesn't go down statistically as a huge play, but like in the game it was. You had to pick that up on third and one. Yeah. Or, yeah. or like a three-yard route or a four-yard route on, on your first play of the game just to get you out from your own end zone. Yeah. Like but those little listen, things. The reality situation is... Travis Kelsey, and I have talked about it on the show. Travis Kelsey is open on every <laughs> play. Every single play he's open. It doesn't matter if Mahomes is the quarterback or I'm the quarterback. He's still open every play. It doesn't matter. 
He's the GOAT. He's the best tight end. I know George Kittle had a great catch in the game against the Cowboys. I don't care. Kelsey's better. Dude's open every play. Every single play he's open. And, it, and like I said, it, it don't matter if it's Mahomes. It don't matter if it's Chad Henney. It don't matter if it's some random guy off the street. He's open every play. Yeah. No, I mean, that that was a true... Hey, by the way. What? On Friday, what did I tell you was the best bet to make in the in the Chiefs game? You remember? Ah. Uh... No, I, I honestly you? don't. I, I really told don't. you Kelsey two tuts. Oh yeah, you did say that. That's I told right. you Kelsey two tuts. I forget it was like six to one or something like that. And maybe? look what happened. Boom! You nailed it. Two tuts. Yeah. So uh, I think people, if anybody took the bet, they should tip you. Um, I agree. But yeah, I mean, every so often there's a few games every year where it's like all the praises. Travis Kelsey should be in the MVP discussion. There was a couple of them this year. That perfect example. Why? Yeah. What you just said, no matter what, he is just always open. 14 yep. catches. Yep. The dude just moves the chains. And and between him, between I thought the defense played really well, defense Pacheco ran so hard. Pacheco had a good game. I thought he was trying to cause an earthquake on that long run. Yeah, that was, like was wild. pounding the dirt. And then the yeah, offensive line on that drive was great. And I thought, I thought uh, Orlando Brown really struggled when Patrick Holmes was in there early in the game. I mean, he was getting hit, and he was getting beat a lot on the left side. But I thought running the football, the offensive line was phenomenal. And once Mahomes came back from the injury, they did a really good job of kind of controlling the game and, and avoiding him taking another big hit. Yeah, so obviously the big story of the game. But yeah, Mahomes, we haven't even talked about that yet. sprained ankle. Like, that's the big story. Okay, a couple thoughts. Number one, I don't understand why he went back in the game after they called timeout. Just, just take him out. I mean, if you're just going to run HP dive, Chad Henney can run HP dive. There's no need to even put him out there. So I didn't I didn't really understand that. And then you know, I get it. You're a competitor. You're you're a competitor. You're frustrated when you have to come out. And um I'm glad that he came back in the game in the second half, but it's it was the Jags. It was the Jags, guys. The Jags. I mean, I think Henney could have played the rest of the game that Chiefs probably would have won. It's easy to say that knowing... I know it is. No, I know it is. Knowing the one drive was perfect. But, like, do you remember the Browns game? No, I do remember the Browns game. Because this he, was actually very similar. were up by, like, two possessions. Yeah. And Henny almost actually he lost did. in the game. So everybody remembers the end of the game where Chad Henny makes On the fourth, fourth down, and one throw and, yeah. and the play before he has the long scramble to even get him to fourth and one. Yeah. Little do people remember the drive before where he chucked a YOLO ball into double coverage <laughs> and got intercepted near the goal line. So, like... <laughs> There's a reason. No I, no, I get it. Yeah, I, I get it. There's a reason Chad Henney has more career interceptions than yeah. touchdowns. Okay, dude. You know? When he was jogging on the field and CBS throws up that stat on the bottom, <laughs> sixty tuds, sixty-three picks. Yeah. I'm like, oh Jesus, this is so bad. Oh no. My point is, like, I think Chad Henney can fill in for you a couple drives, but like, yeah, no, I get it. Over the course of a game, he's gonna make a couple bad plays. No, he's I, inconsistent, no, yeah. right? Yeah, 100. I mean, he's a, listen. He's a backup for a reason. But, that, I mean, that game was so similar to the Browns game. You have a team who, like, you're not used to seeing in the playoffs, playing you tight like, in the divisional round game. not very good. Holmes gets injured. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from the Jags' perspective, like. How about this, just, by the way? It's not very, <laughs> just not. I mean, like, I think I think we talked about it when the Jags made the playoffs. Is like, the Jags are, like, a year ahead of schedule. Like, yeah, they're they a team that looks like, assuming Trevor Lawrence continues on an upward trajectory, they're a team that looks like in a year or two they could be, you know, an 11-12 win, especially in the AFC South, an 11-12 win team and actually be a formidable opponent. 
How about this? Bengals' Jesse Bates hopes Patrick Mahomes is healthy, so there's no excuses. I get it. I mean, listen, mm. if I were a Bengals fan, I would want Mahomes to be healthy too. Yeah. Because if the Chiefs do lose that game against the Bengals and Mahomes is like very, very, very obviously not 100%, that's exactly what that's exactly what the narrative is going to be. Yeah. No, I mean, the narrative game is going to come in strong here, which we'll, we'll get to that here in a second. But, um, yeah, I'm very, I'm very concerned about Mahomes. I'll say it. I am I, too. I'm like very, very concerned. And the stats actually looked fine when he came back from the injury and in the second half. But also, like, Mahomes is just—he's just an idiot. What is he doing? First do play mean? in the second half, he tries to scramble. Oh, you've got one <laughs> ankle. Just fall down. What are you doing? The biggest threat to Mahomes was himself. <laughs> like, dude, what are you doing? See, most would be like. Wow, what a courageous move. No, that was so Gutting stupid. Gutting it out. Just fall down. <laughs> Just fall down. I, uh... Yeah. That, I... Uh, man, that made me mad. I, like, dude, what are you doing? I'm very concerned because when we think of Mahomes... Like, okay. I, I don't want this get, to get construed into me saying that Joe Burrow is better than Patrick Mahomes because <laughs> he's not. But if we're just talking about being a pocket passer... Joe Burrow might be better than Mahomes in that one yeah, area, I mean, Mahomes, right? What what makes Mahomes great, what makes him a transcendent player, mm-hmm. is all of the extracurricular, outside-the-pocket, yes. spinorama, 360. Hard to sack, he'll you know, scramble around, and he'll have time no to guys get open. to the right. back of the end zone. Like, Jump passes. Yeah, exactly. You know. that, those are, that's what makes him the best player in, in the in the sport. And Correct. What, makes, what, trans, what allows him to transcend being just an, an elite quarterback. And if the ankle prevents him from doing that, as it kind of did in the second half versus the Jags, he goes from a top one quarterback to like a top five. Yes, yeah, he's still he's still great, but the exactly. question becomes: Is Joe Burrow at that point better than him? I think that's where I'm at. Healthy Patrick Mahomes better than Joe Burrow. I actually don't. But healthy Joe Burrow better I mean, than sprained actually, ankle Patrick Mahomes. So I don't know. I actually don't think that's going to matter. Really, I think I think the the game against the Bengals is going to come down to who can just ground and pound better. It really might. Um, the way that Pacheco's been able to run the ball gives you some confidence there. Also, early forecast. Bengals ran all over the Chiefs last time. Early forecast for the game on Sunday. Snow, temperatures in the 20s hmm. with with a chance for snow. I'm not sure you want that. No, you definitely don't want that. And I'm guessing that on a bad ankle, yeah. the cold probably makes it 10,000 times worse. And also try to get footing when you're hopping around on one foot. You're going to be sliding around. And then we saw in the, the Bills-Bengals game, the Bengals' one kind of weakness, so to speak, is their offensive line, though it's never been a weakness in the Chiefs game. It was literally their strength against the Bills. Because the Bills' pass rush couldn't get any footing. It's harder to get footing and, and get that pass rush. So that would I mean, be tough Bengals for the Chiefs. the Bengals just absolutely bullied the Bills, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. So Which I mean, also is concerning for the Chiefs. We'll see, because it's, it's, it's easy to look at it, and, and I keep getting this stuck in my head. The Chiefs are 0-3 against Burrow. And that's with a healthy Patrick Mahomes. They're fine. How do you expect them to beat them with a, a injured one? But also, let's remember all of those three losses were uh, by very a combined. E- yeah, what, nine points. Very easily could have been wins. Very easy. Yeah. So um, you never count out Patrick Mahomes. And who knows? Andy Reid said today um, that this is actually not as bad as the one he suffered in the season opener against Jacksonville a couple years ago. That would be a good sign. I don't know if I believe it, but sign. that would be a good sign. Yeah. How about the impact that Kadarius Tony had though? I mean, yeah, no good. other receiver besides Patrick Mahomes or not Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey and Kadarius Tony had more than two targets. Yeah, Tony was second on the team in targets behind Kelsey. I mean, he was used in every way possible. Which that's that's what you want to see. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to see. Get him involved. 
I mean, for a guy like him, you just he's the type of player where just get just get him the ball. Like it doesn't matter what the play is. Just mm-hmm. literally give the ball to him in some capacity and then just watch the magic happen. Yeah. And he was he wasn't there for the Bengals game, right? The one in Cincinnati? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think he was no. back yet. So that's a big difference. Um, another thing that you could have, I don't know. I, I'm i kind of at a point where I'm just like, let's see it when we see it with if McCole Hardman can come back this year. But um, it's it, you know how all the time we do with like quarterbacks, we're like, would you rather have this quarterback making $40 million or would you rather have this quarterback making $10 million plus a $30 million receiver? I feel like that's this with the Chiefs this week. Could be. Like, would you rather have a fully healthy Patrick Mahomes without McCall Hardman, or would you rather have a 80% Patrick Mahomes with McCall Hardman? Oh, McCall Hardman. I don't care about McCall Hardman. <laughs> and then listen, I'm the biggest McCall Hardman guy out there. I know. I mean, I'm McCall Hardman's number one fan. I know. I don't care. Yeah, the Chiefs haven't had him for two months. They're fine. Yeah. Butker was good. Defense was good. Yeah, how about I Butker, Jags. man? Butker was Coming good. up in the clutch. Defense was good. Defense got a pick. I mean, think, cool. we'll think about it from Butker real quick. If he misses any of those field goals... The Jaguars, instead of, because at the end they had the ball with like 30 seconds Yeah, by left. the way, all-time bad beat there. Yeah. Terrible beat. On but so, so the Jags. On Chiefs minus eight and a half. In that situation, instead of going for the field goal and then the onside kick, they're just trying to get a touchdown there. Yeah. And at that point, they're at like the 25. I know it was, I think, fourth and something. But yeah. um, that completely changed the game, what Bucker did. Weird day for the special teams, though, overall. Because you almost gave up two kick return touchdowns. Yeah, I mean... I, Bucker had the, the Dave, tackle on the second. The so. Dave Tobe thing is like, I like you gotta you gotta move on, right? You got a bottom two so. teams you did in the league. I mean, what are we doing? Yeah, what were your thoughts on the Jags almost returning two kick returns? I mean, you you are very proponent of my thoughts are Harrison Bucker any. kick it deeper. <laughs> That's my thoughts. Okay, just kick it out, just kick it out of the end zone. I mean, you got the leg. I don't think it was particularly super windy. Just kick it out of the end zone. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like a because you know the Patriots started doing that. You remember when they when they actually moved the start where you get to start with the ball from the twenty to the twenty five. The Patriots started intentionally kicking it short to make teams return. You should never do that if you're the Chiefs. Never. No. Or really any other team. Well, Jamal Agnew is like one of the best return men too, so that's yeah, part of it. Really dumb. Really, really dumb. But listen, at the end of the day, yep. hosting fifth straight AFC title game. Let's roll, boys. Yep. We'll see if the defense can do what they did against the Jags, against the Bengals. They got turnovers. They got pressure. Chris Jones, can he get his first sack? That's still a storyline. Scott McDuffie, <laughs> can he get his first interception? Still a storyline. They yeah. can do both, and they have really the championship. Gay and Nick Bolton you feel good? are going to have to have really good games. Yeah, they are. Uh, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Let's get to our case of the Mondays next. This is RCST. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I got to get out of here. I think I'm going to lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How oh, does it calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. All right, case of the Mondays. My voice is having a case of the Mondays today. Dude, no kidding. Oh, there's a lot, a lot that happened over the weekend. <laughs> I had to broadcast some basketball. There's a lot of sports to yell about. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. 
That's true. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235 has you covered. They're located right off of I-70, five minutes from downtown Lawrence. They have a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. So check them out with Venue 1235, including some of their upcoming events, like a comedian coming by. They also have a uh, wedding event if you're looking for different things to I don't know, taste for what you would like at your wedding. Check it out, Venue 1235. Okay, Case of the Mondays. Let's get into it. Starting with Bethune Cookman. Ooh. Bethune Cookman is a uh, glad you asked a <laughs> Division One school. They're um, FCS in football. They're part of the HBCU uh, colleges. Okay, and uh, they were supposedly hiring Ed Reed as their head coach. Obviously, Ed Reed, former oh, all-time sounds, great NFL safety, good. Yeah, right? Good hire. Great. Yeah, yeah. Kind okay. of in the, the same ilk well, of then, like Deion Sanders. Why are we right. on Case of the Mondays? Well, unfortunately. They were unable to ratify his contract. So he was like on the job. He was even, he was coaching part of the team. He was doing stuff around the offices. And like he was even, he like earlier this last week, he, he was like posting a video being like, I'm not even getting paid or like technically signed a contract yet. And here I am like cleaning up the office because they left all this trash everywhere and like doing all this stuff. And they were unable to ratify his contract. So he, he came out over the weekend and was like, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to coach the team. There was like a video of him talking to the players being like, I would love to coach you guys and like, this sucks, but they're so taking it away from is this me. Like a money issue, or like what's the problem? That's what I'm wondering. I I don't know if the full details of why have been released yet, <laughs> but I'm wondering eh. if he needed a certain amount of money, and they were like, they told him at first, they're like, yeah, we can make that work, because maybe they kinda just like thought the, they're like the Colorado, like thing. The Colorado thing. They're like, yeah, the boosters will pay. The for The guy's it. like, I don't know where we're gonna get the money from, yeah, but we'll find we'll it. We'll figure it out because he, he was probably thinking, of course, all our boosters are gonna love this. We're, we're hiring yeah, every. They'll Reed. pay for it. Yeah, absolutely. But it's one thing when it's Colorado. It's another thing when it's Bethune Cookman. You know, <laughs> there's just not as much funds. There's just not. Oh, that's fair. Um, that's fair. So that that sucks. That, that, that would have been cool. That is pretty sad, actually. It would have been cool. Unfortunately. Yeah, more more Deion Sanders stories. That'd be cool. Yep. Uh, trick plays are in case of the Mondays. Dude, Cowboys. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? Oh yeah, let's put Zeke at center. Good idea. What? What are we doing? What? How, when? What? How did you think that was gonna work? Okay? Like, seriously. Listen, I get it, okay? I'm sure there are so many plays where it's like you run it in practice and you're like, dude, this is genius. Like, this is so awesome. They're never, ever going to expect it. Okay? When you have a, a running back at center, you just put a linebacker, he just it destroys him, and it's instant sack. And look what happened. You got three yards. Right? Like, okay, just run that play, but have your center be the actual center. I, yeah. Wouldn't that work? Wouldn't that have been way better? Like I, so I, 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 I do agree. Yes. Um. But like, I, I, I sort of did think it was cool to begin with. Of like, it was I, a I'd fine never strategy. Of, that, of being like, hey, let's have eleven, you know, uh, skill players out on the field all at once. But as you're sitting there thinking about it, you're like, it's like, oh, but wait, don't you need somebody to block so that somebody can run down the field? So here's here's my my counter solution. I think that's a fine one. If you want to go okay. to the center, sure. Just okay. have one lineman in there, right? Yeah, just, just just have it be your regular center. Right, or have three linemen. Just have a center and two guards so you can't just get blitzed right off the bat, right? Maybe Why not have a tight end to be the center? No! That way you're having to mix just a skill player and blocker. Just have your center be the center! That's his job! <laughs> okay. What are we doing? You know what this reminded me of? Hmm. It reminded me of the Colts' fake punt that they tried to run against the Patriots. That was really bad. Like eight years ago. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Just run a regular play. 
or have a, your guy that you're paying to play that position play that position. Wow. What a novel idea. I can't believe I'm not an offensive coordinator. I can do better than that. What are we doing, Cowboys? Yeah, that was uh, just a horrible way to finish. But and listen, like, there is I, no good play call for that situation, but say, it's certainly not. No, that. I, yeah, I, I, that's what I was about to say. Is I will say, like, listen, you're in a low, you're in an extremely low percentage play as it is. Like, I do think there was a bit of overreaction of like, oh, what are these Cowboys are so stupid? What are they doing? Like, it wasn't like it was like at the eight yard line. I mean, they were at their own thirty. Mm-hmm. So it's like the the odds of them having a successful play, regardless, were very, very, very slim. So. I guess it's just kind of a wash at that point. But, I mean, again, I, I didn't hate the formation. I didn't hate the general concept of the play. Just have your center be the center. That's all I'm saying. Because look what happened. Zeke gets blown up, and he's on his butt half a second into the play, and you don't even get a chance to, like, really run it. So, yeah. I, you know, like, trick plays are fun and cool and all, but you got to be able to actually conceptually make them – even like you gotta even have a chance to run them. No, that's that's such a funny response though by the 49ers if you think about it, where they're like, as opposed to no, you that's know, maybe some defenses. Like, would I was be like, sitting on my couch, what's like, going on here? I was what's sitting going on, on my couch, here? like, dude, just put Nick Bosa over <laughs> Zeke. He's gonna kill him, and he's gonna get Dak. He's gonna get Dak instantly. Oh, that's great. By the way, bad finish for Dalton Schultz. He's having a case of the Mondays, dude. He he like leisurely didn't catch that last pass when that nobody's near him. He could have easily got in. No, that was bad. That gives him another fifteen yards or twenty yeah, yards, or whatever yeah. it was. And then the play before that, I mean, they weren't going to win anyways, so it's whatever. But I know. Big Twelve bad. tournament seeding officials. Case of the Mondays. Right now, the Big Twelve is a logjam. K State's in first. You have Iowa State and Kansas and Texas, all with uh, two losses. Baylor and TCU with three losses. I mean, anything can happen at the top. But if you look at Ken Palm, how it's projecting to finish at this point, it now has four teams. Kansas State, Kansas, Texas, and Iowa State all sharing a Big 12 title at 11-7. and seven. How the heck do you go about figuring out the seeding? That would no also idea. be a disaster because in the history books, you'd be like, you'd have, you'd be like, wait. Four teams are claiming they won the Big 12 title. It'd be it's like the college football national championship in like the 1930s, mm-hmm. where you just have like six teams that are like, well, yeah. some random media guy said we were the national champions, so we're national champions. That's the same bosh. It'd be bosh. so funny for recruiting too. Like a recruit gets recruited <laughs> by multiple Big 12 schools, and he's like, "Wait, you just told me you're Big 12 champs. I just got off the call with him. He said he was Big 12 champs. <laughs> well, it's not inaccurate. Um, it's just funny too if you think about like the Big 12 tournament." That means you'd have somebody in a 4-5 matchup being like, oh, we won the Big 12. Yeah, And that, that would rough. mean if if the higher seeds won every game in the Big 12 tournament, the entire Big 12 semifinals would be Big 12 champions. <laughs> It'd be great. So maybe at that point you'd just give it to whoever be kinda, the Big 12 tournament. That actually would be kind of cool mm-hmm. to have everybody big Big 12 champs. But also, like, what what's the tiebreakers? There? I don't know for how they determine the seeding. Yeah. Um, because obviously, I don't like, even want to think about it. Obviously, you couldn't just do head to head because it's doubtful in this scenario. Head to head to one head to head team to head. goes two and zero <laughs> against all three other teams, um, so you probably like, it's what, point differential. Maybe, I don't know. May, yeah, maybe it goes down to like point different. Maybe it does go down to like head to head. Who had the best record between the three teams? Like okay, have played. Yeah, yeah. Like if, if one team went was like four and two, four and two. Maybe that else. was enough. Everybody else yeah. was two and four, three and three. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be very interesting. I don't want to think about that. Yep, I don't either. Let's not. Uh, case of the Mondays for us. What? Yeah, we we had a conversation last week with our college basketball whip around or breakdown, whatever we're calling it nowadays. Um, I like whip around. 
We said, is Houston going to stay number one in the AP poll the rest of the regular season? No, I think we did say that. Because they were number one, and we looked at the schedule, and we were like, ah, they're well, going to win the all these time, games. At the time, we didn't know that Houston stinks. <laughs> they literally suck. They're still number one in Ken Palm. Yeah, after losing to 11-9 Temple. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, at least Kansas losing at home is to, uh, you know, a top 20 team. Well, the distance these guys between lost them to, and second these guys in Ken lost Palm. to a clown show. The distance between them and second in Ken Palm was like, a couple points now it's like pretty much even so there was a big drop there but yeah they immediately lost the first game after we did that <laughs> that's pretty funny that is bad case of the mondays people trying to make emphatic and hyperbolic statements with stats that actually aren't that impressive <laughs> you'll see this sometimes people will be like this is the first time this has happened since then okay and sometimes i'll see it and it'll be like since 2019 i'll be like that wasn't that long ago but i guess that's four years it'll be like like <laughs> oh the jaguars are in the playoffs for the first time since 2018 <laughs> it's like okay that you know i'd sure i'd yeah. be a little upset if my team didn't go to the playoffs for five years but like there are teams that haven't been to playoffs in 20 years we don't <laughs> need to do this every five years this is even worse so this was cbs sports this was their headline for the tcu kansas game okay Number 14 TCU hands number two Kansas worst home loss in two years. Wait. They lost by 25 to Texas at home two years ago. <laughs> you don't need to make that the headline. Worst home loss in two years. Well, no, it's not that this. long ago. It's KU, two seasons. KU either wins at Allen or they get blown out. There's no in between. I guess. There's literally no in between. That has been recent memory. You're right. I mean, all their losses at home recently have been <laughs> that way. Um, and then this is... If, the Duke was playing Miami on Saturday. During the ESPN broadcast, they cut to the the sideline analyst or reporter or whatever the official lingo is, and they they said this is the first time that Duke and North Carolina both haven't been ranked since 2021. Wait, that was like again almost last year. I know. What are we doing? We are barely in 2023. Yeah, uh, yeah. What are we doing? So it's basically a year ago. Jeez. Also, we, we don't need hype. We don't need hyperbole on everything. <laughs> Duke to, to and give North us Carolina stink. They suck. Yep. The Dallas Cowboys social media intern. Dude, did you see this? This is hilarious. Yeah. Okay, on Twitter after the loss, direct. This is quote quote. This is from the tweet. So they, so it's like you know how teams have like their post game article that they write for like the team website. It was that was the link, and it said quote. Dak Prescott gave away the ball twice in an air loss to the 49ers in a matchup the Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't, again, generate self-inflicted wounds, end quote. That was like the caption of the tweet. What are the odds that that intern still has a job right now? Mm, not good. Either that or... Or, or Jerry Jones maybe promoted him. Yeah, what if what if this is just truth? What if this is What if it was Jerry Jones who wrote the tweet? Yeah, this is this is a sign that they're giving up on Dak Prescott. He might be having a case in the Mondays. Um Yeah, he could be. He's owed like eighty nine million in dead cap if they cut him, so it's unlikely they do that. They can trade him. If they make no, but even then you still owe the dead cap. Um it's forty nine million if it's a post June first, which I think all that does is it spreads it out over two years. So maybe that would be a little more doable. Uh, there's been obviously talk about Sean Payton. Would he be the next coach? I don't know that they'll fire Mike McCarthy after he won the first playoff game, but if they do and they go to Sean Payton. Um, during I think as the, long as Sean Payton doesn't go to the Broncos, I'll be fine. Well, during like the halftime show, Sean Payton was kind of like poo-pooing on Dak. Like, <laughs> he's not good. He's not playing well enough. Like, all these well, things. He, well, I mean, is he wrong? Was no, he wrong? I don't necessarily think so. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> probably not great for Dak. All right, last yeah. one for Case of the Mondays. 
People who say defense wins championships. Okay, Josh Allen, this this clown, this loser. Mr. January, by the way, who is now four and four in the playoffs. You want to hear what defense what ranked defenses this guy has had in the playoffs? Four and four in the playoffs. With the number one, number two, and number two ranked defenses in, in his last three playoff runs. That's pretty wild. Number one, number two, and number two. This guy's had the best defenses of all time, and he just continues to catch L's. Whereas again, playoffs. we go back to the Patrick Mahomes one, and this is his first the year with opposite. a top half defense by EPA. So people playoffs. who say we, defense wins championships, go back to the 80s. We don't want you anymore. Case of the Mondays. For people who say defense wins championships, you're wrong. Well, I guess on the NFC, I mean, you have the 49ers. Eagles have a good defense. Have the 49ers won the championship? No. no I, I think what I think the real saying it should be nowadays, quarterbacks win championships. Sure. Fine. Right. That that's the most consistent way to Guess win what? championships. Josh Allen still hasn't won Jack. Yeah. Even still then. You could say though, outside of quarterbacks, it could be defense. Because think about it. The teams that always win that don't have good quarterbacks, it's because they have good defenses. Fine. Sure, whatever. So I think that's what you're seeing in the NFC. Not as many good quarterbacks in the NFC, which yeah, the is why NFC defense sucks. is winning. Right? The NFC sucks. Whereas in the AFC, it's like, yeah, well, of course it was going to be one of Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, or Josh Allen. Of course it was. Not Josh Allen. He sucks. Well, not now, but dude, the world is starting to turn on Josh Allen. That's because he sucks. I think everybody consensusly is is on board with the Joe Burrow yes. ahead of Josh Allen thing now, right? Yes. Absolutely. Which, listen, I'm a little annoyed and... You know, I listen. You can call me a butthurt Chiefs fan if you want. I'm a little annoyed because Josh Allen has detractors. Patrick Mahomes has detractors. There is not a single person that doesn't like Joe Burrow. That's annoying. I don't like that. He needs to have haters. It's so we, listen. It'll if come. I have to be the first Joe Burrow hater, I will bear that torch. I will carry that flag. No, it'll come because he's very he's very brash and confident, which which I enjoy. But a lot of people. We'll get rubbed the wrong way. The, no, the, because it's, look, Patrick Mahomes got haters like instantly. I know. Josh Allen got haters right but away. But a lot of that. Nobody hates Joe Burrow. A Nobody. lot of the Mahomes hate derives, honestly, from like his brother and no, like, I people get not liking that. No, I understand that. Um, with Joe Burrow, if he keeps winning and he's very cocky and brash about it, you think people, people are going to start turning like on him? it? People always turn. People always turn. It'll well, happen. Okay, if I have to start it, I will. I'll well, be number one. Okay, no, I'll be patient zero for Joe Burrow. Perfect example. Cincinnati beats Chiefs in the. In the AFC Championship, and then they lose in the Super Bowl. I hope that doesn't happen. And then they lose in the Super Bowl. The narrative all of a sudden is going to be, man, this guy can't get it done in the big game, and the only reason he was in the Super Bowl is because Patrick Mahomes was hurt. Like, that's what's going to happen. So that's one way it turns. Or if he wins the Super Bowl this year, then people are going to start getting tired of him winning. It it works one of two ways. With Mahomes, that's the other part of it. People are just just tired of the Chiefs winning. And it's, it's so weird to me because back in the day, people used to not dislike like players and teams until they won a couple times now it was like it was like if you win once it's like okay good for you but then once you start winning a couple times it's like all right we've had enough (laughs) like with the patriots it wasn't until they won the dynasty yeah nowadays there's people who hate the chiefs and it's like they've won one super bowl in the last 50 years like chill yeah you know yeah when they won in 2019 i was 22 years old that was the first super bowl i'd ever seen my dad was 52. Yeah. That was his first Super Bowl. We were both the, with the 30 years apart. We both watched their first Super Bowl. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's the case of the Mondays. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We've got our NFL Monday overreactions coming up 
later in the hour. We'll uh, preview the KU Baylor game in the five o'clock hour. We've still got a rock chalk pick a hawk and some game picks for that one. But uh, coming up next, we've got some KU post game audio from Jalen Wilson, KJ Adams after the loss on Saturday to TCU. We'll share that with you coming up next here on RCST. Preview the KU Baylor game coming up at the top of the five o'clock hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You can also hear KU Baylor at 8 o'clock, pregame 6.30. Brian Haney, Greg Gurley on the call. And uh, on our sister station, 105.9 KISS, you can listen to it as well. The NFL happened over the weekend. You asked the question a week or two ago. You said, what did I ask? Can we still overreact even though it's during the oh. playoffs? Oh, yeah. And now that we're here. Dude, there's so much to overreact exactly. to. Exactly. This is awesome. I know. It's almost even better. Yo, yeah, this is way better. It's more definitive. Now we just overreact you know? there's... There's not anything next week that no. can prove us wrong. No. Like, we can just overreact and be like, oh, we're geniuses. Yeah. Oh, this is way better. You were right. I, I was, <laughs> I, for whatever reason, I was like, oh, man, what are we going to react to? Yeah. Dude, this is like a gold mine. Love it. All right, All right. NFL Monday overreactions. What do we got? Here we go. First off, the Chiefs, they'd have, they would have had a winning record with Henny as the QB the full season. Chad, anything is possible. Chad Henny, 10 and 7 Chiefs. 11 and, 11 and 6 Chiefs. Man, this is no reaction. Well, I mean, in theory, it's easy to just extrapolate that one drive and be like, oh, well, they were good enough with that one drive to beat a playoff team who had a winning record, so why would they not be better? 6,000 passing yards, 55 tuds. Why not? I'm trying to think. So you had uh, a couple years ago when Mahomes had the, the knee injury from the QB sneak against the Broncos. He was out three games, I believe, and they went 2-1. Yeah, it was Matt Moore. That was Moore. With Matt Moore, that yeah. Matt Moore. Which, about the same level of, and of if Chad If I remember Henny. right, Matt Moore beat a good Vikings team. He did, yes. Yeah. The Vikings team, I want to say, was a playoff team. Yeah, yeah. So... So listen, Could they? the Raiders sucked, the Broncos sucked, so I'd be willing to give Chad four wins there, honestly. he prob- Chad probably doesn't beat the Chargers twice. No. The Chargers probably get at least one. Yeah, maybe both. Yeah. And then uh, I have to look at the rest of the I honestly, schedule. honestly know. You're saying this is an overreaction? Yes, this is an overreaction, but oh, I do think they would be competitive. Chad. I do think they would be competitive. Here's the thing. Okay, they probably wouldn't have beat the Niners earlier in the season. Well, like, it's it's easy. So, okay. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm looking at nine, ten wins here, I think. I just say it's, it's easy to see a backup play well for a short period of time. It's usually when they, like, remember when Mike White came in for the first game and played really well, and it was but like, Mike wow, White this ended guy's up being way better. kind of good. Did he? Was he? <laughs> because after that first game when it was like, he was good in that first game. After that, it was kind of like, yeah, we sure this guy's good? Like against Seahawks, last game of the season. Completed 50% of his passes, 240 well, yards, two interceptions. The Jets just gave up. I don't know how else to explain game it. Game at the Vikings, he had two interceptions, no touchdowns. Like, I don't know, man. Didn't the Jets still almost win that game, though? Yeah, I just, I, I think that sometimes we see backups can play well for a game or two, but the reason they're backups is because they're not as consistent. they suck, yeah. So oh, I, I, I agree with that. I think that Andy Reid is a good enough coach, but like if you look at it realistically and you were like, if Chad Henney's the quarterback, this is, even with Andy Reid, I mean, they clearly would be more of a running team, but Andy Reid still has never been like a run-first guy. Well, yeah, I mean, I think with Andy Reid, you just go back to the Alex Smith playbook. Alex Smith right. won 11 games, 12 games. But here's games, the problem. Those Alex Smith teams that won all those games... A lot of them had, like, top 10 defenses, right? Or they okay. had Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Sure. This team doesn't have... Like, it's one thing they got for... Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pacheco. I know, but <clears throat> with, with and the... And Tony. Big Tone. The weapons that this team has, it's good enough to still be the best offense in the NFL with Patrick Mahomes. Because when you have 
a bunch of different good receivers, but not that one Tyreek Hill, yeah. you're like, okay, who cares? We have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. When you have Chad Henney or Matt Moore, you do need a Tyreek Hill. <laughs> because you do need someone you can kind of just force the ball to. <laughs> that would certainly help. Yeah. So no, I, I don't think they would. But they'd still okay. be competitive. Okay. Daniel Jones is actually not good. Yeah, I think... We've been uh, seesawing back and forth with this thing all season long. He sucks. I, he's he's the GOAT. He sucks. Does he's that really just make good. him at this point QB number 16 in the NFL? Maybe. He Maybe. has to be right dab in the middle because we don't know one way or the other. But listen, I don't think it's Danny Jones' fault that the Giants just got steamrolled. I mean, no. I think they just... I think that was just going to happen regardless. But he could have had a... I don't know if he was better than... He probably has a better effort than... Seven scoring points. seven points and throwing for 135 yards with one interception. Maybe. I don't know. Um. Yeah, okay. I think, okay, here's what I'll say. I don't think this is over. Daniel Jones, we thought he wasn't good, and then he, this year he was, like, pretty good, and people were starting to come around on him. And then the playoff And then he came. just kind of regressed. So I think he's still probably not that good, but had a really good season. But, like, if he has another really good season next year, then it's like, okay, maybe he actually is kind of good. So maybe, like, the jury's still out on this one? I'm fine with that being the answer, but right now, if I had to, I'm, I'm leaning toward not good. Okay. But I, I still do think it's, like, a round league average. Okay, yeah, that's fine. It's just once you pay that guy a bunch of money, which he's going to get paid this offseason, that's where the problem comes in. Uh, you know, the, you get that guy for $10 million a year, it's like, whatever. Uh, the Bengals... They're a better snow team than the Bills, and Buffalo needs to build a dome now. Okay, ASAP. So, so two parts of this. Uh, we'll start with the dome part first because that's an easier answer. Honestly, yes, they should no, build a dome. No, you're, domes you're just anti dome in general. But domes are stupid, dude. It's it's one thing for a team like the Chiefs not to build a dome. It's another for the Bills when they have games <laughs> that force them to play in Detroit, <laughs> which happened earlier this year because it snows six feet of snow. I guess on one hand, though. If there's six feet of snow, you're not going to have any fans come to the game anyway. So, I don't know. Maybe I guess it's for the best. But um, how they play would probably... Like, they love to throw it deep. They feel like an Indianapolis Colts-type team with Peyton Manning. Yeah. They really do. Throw it deep. So, maybe it would help them with a dome. Um, or maybe they're just bad. But, no, I don't I don't think and their a fans dome would ever would want a dome. not help them at all. Well, I do think the Bengals are a better snow team, which is funny because you would just think that, oh, the team who's from there is going to immediately be better. But typically the teams we think of that are going to do well in the snow are like running teams. Yeah. That's not the Bills at all. And the Bengals aren't like a run-first team, but they can run the they ball. They can run very well. Joe Mixon, Samaji Piran had like 150 yards, total yards, yep. against yep. the Chiefs in the, the their meeting. Um, yep. And because of the Bengals, their deficiency of the offensive line, it gets neutralized a bit because – the pass rush can't get as much footing. Exactly. And like, like the like the best remedy for a bad offensive line is running the ball really mm-hmm. well. Because, and listen, every offensive lineman, I, I bet, every offensive lineman you ask to says, running the ball is great. You get to run upfield. You get to hit guys. You get to, like, if I were an offensive lineman, I would hate pass blocking. Pass blocking would suck. The guy gets to run at you full speed for free, and you got to try to backpedal to block. Run blocking is probably great. You get to fire off the ball. You get to actually hit somebody. So, yeah, the best remedy for a bad offensive line is is running well, Yeah, I think. Well, I think, too, like the Bengals, they, they throw a lot of those quick, like, guy makes one cut and the ball's there from Joe Burrow routes, and that's tough to defend in the snow, too. Yeah. Because the DBs, it's, it's yeah, hard. Yeah, dude, Tony when, Romo could not stop talking about no. the snow. He was like, 
oh, the snow's making a huge difference. The snow's making a huge difference. Which, like, okay, fine. But, like, I felt like it was overdone a little bit. No, it probably was. But I, I do think that the Bengals are a better snow team or built for the snow more than the Bills were. I can get on board with that. Which is funny because you would think that just the Bills by being in Buffalo would be like, oh, they'd love, <laughs> you know, not the case. Frank Clark is Derek Thomas reincarnated in the postseason. Okay. Well, he has more career sacks in the postseason than Derek Thomas. So is Derek Thomas um, uh plus version of Frank Clark, right? I can see the gears turning there. Yeah, they were tough. Um, (laughs) Well, I think no is the short answer. Um, Frank Clark just moved into fourth all-time postseason sacks. That's just... uh, After the Jaguars game. He passed passed Lawrence... Or not... uh, Yeah, Lawrence Taylor, I think. I think it's who he passed for fourth all-time postseason sacks. I wonder how many more games he has than Lawrence Taylor. Does he? I don't. That's what I'm saying. That, that these are the questions I'm trying to figure out here. Because part of me is like, oh well, the Chiefs have been in so many playoff games and they have the wild card round nowadays. Like, but then the other part of me goes, yeah, but he's still only been on the Chiefs for four seasons. So how many playoff does he really have more than like a Lawrence <laughs> Taylor? That is pretty crazy. And honestly, like, it almost makes you want to re-sign Frank Clark headed into this next offseason it, just to be I- like. Kind of does. Be the closer, you know? Yeah, he, he's we know, the lead in the playoffs. Even if you only have two you sacks know exactly, in the regular season. Exactly. You know exactly what you're getting. You're getting a guy who's average to bad in the regular season, <laughs> and then he turns into Derek Thomas yeah. in, the, in the playoffs. When, like, even if he is average to bad in the regular season, it's like, ah, who cares? We still have Patrick Mahomes. We're going to be fine in the regular <laughs> season, right? Yeah, so he's played 15 games in the postseason, if you go back to his Seattle career. With Kansas City, he's played 10, and he has nine sacks. Yeah. So that's a sack a game. Yeah. That's really That's good. Impact plays. I was, uh, so I guess maybe. Maybe the answer is yes. I, okay. I do think that a lot of Clark's sacks in the postseason, and I, I don't discredit this because this does matter. Dude, a sack is a sack. Yes, exactly. But I, I don't think, like, sometimes I, I'm sure Chris Jones has given Frank Clark a sack because oh, he I'm gets sure, the first yeah. pressure. Oh, yeah. He's, and Clark keeps hustling. That's and why gets Frank sack, Clark, right? that's why uh, Chris Jones has zero sacks. Yeah. So I, I don't think, like, it's Derek Thomas level because. It's not just Frank Clark dominating. Right. It's not always just him dominating. Sometimes it's him just hustling. And, and sometimes that's been something that we haven't seen in the regular season that's cost yeah. him. Yeah. He doesn't hustle enough. Yeah. And I'll be honest, like, I was kind of a detractor of bringing him back this year. Um, but good for him, man, because he's had, he's had a very serviceable regular season, yep. like better than the past he couple years pretty, of the regular yeah, season. Yeah, he was, he was pretty good. Yeah. yeah pretty and decent. then in the, the postseason, like, once again, he just steps up. Brock Purdy will be the Niners' day one starter next season. Well, weren't there the the talk of Jimmy G could be back for the NFC Championship, but I don't think they go back to him at this point, right? Well, forget about Jimmy G. You got Trey Lance. What are you going to do about that? I know. I'm just saying for the immediate, I think if you have to start there, because if Jimmy G started for him this week, that's a clear sign that Trey Lance would be the guy next year. Okay, sure. Yeah, but that, okay, back to this. He'll be the day one starter yeah. next season. No, I don't think so. Don't think I so. don't think so, because I think what there's he, too many what things playing What if he gets you to him. the Super Bowl? Um, what if he wins the Super Bowl? That's the one where it gets me. Because if they if they lose the Super Bowl, what if they lose the Super Bowl 45 to 10, and it's a very apparent, like he has three interceptions, everybody's like, okay, we see well, it. That's not going to happen. They got they got, they got got a good deal. They won't lose 45 to 10. But like, let's say. Like he like he loses them the game is what you're saying. Yeah. But if they do win the Super Bowl, that's hard to How do you not, not start it? Here's, here's the things working against him. What do you do? Would you trade Trey Lance? Yeah. I, I, I think you do. Trade Jimmy G? The thing's working against it. Well, I think Jimmy G's a free agent, but you could bring him back. Yeah. You still have Trey Lance, and there's still the rumors going around of Tom Brady. Where is he going to go? Like, San Francisco's on the short list. Mm, 
Okay. So I think there's a lot working against it that I would say no is the answer. But if he does win the Super Bowl, then yes. So if he gets to the Super Bowl, loses, you think even then he would not start? Depending on the performance. If he goes to the Super Bowl and they lose, but it's not his fault, like he has a good game, then sure. All right. Speaking of the Super Bowl, Josh Allen will never even make the Super Bowl. Forget about winning it. He's never even going to be there. His whole career, he's never going to make the Super Bowl. Is that an overreaction? I think it is. There's still a lot of time, but honestly, it's not. This is not as crazy as it's. I don't think it's an overreaction at all. I think it's true. It's always easier for a quarterback to make a Super Bowl on their rookie contract than it will be once they get the big extension. And Josh Allen's going to have that kicking in starting next year. So you look at Josh Allen, something you talked about earlier, that the defense is around him. It's been what? Number one, number two, number two? Yeah, he's had top five defenses the past couple of years. So now that he's going to be making, you know, 40, 50 million more dollars a year, that's either a good defender or a couple good defenders or maybe an extra weapon like a Dawson Knox or Gabe Davis that you're no longer a good offensive lineman that you're going to have on your team moving forward. It's going to be more on Josh Allen. And so I mean, I let me think, just put it let me just put it this way. Do you envision a playoffs where Josh Allen beats either Mahomes or Burrow or both in the same season, in the same playoff run? I guess the the thing that I'm holding hope to, or not hope, like I don't care if they win a Super Bowl or not, like I'd prefer the Chiefs to keep winning, right? <laughs> um, but is the idea that, like Josh Allen did everything in his power last year to beat the Chiefs. That was not his fault they lost that game. No. In the same way it would not have been Mahomes' fault if they lost that game. It was kind of on that point on either defense. Sure, yeah. If he wins that game, which they very easily could have. They should have. They probably should have. I think they probably beat the Bengals, and they would have been favored against the Rams. So is it that crazy that he wins a Super Bowl? No, I don't think so. I would still, if you're telling me over under .5 Josh Allen Super Bowls in his career, I'd still probably lean the over. I just don't think, I just I just don't just think don't, it's crazy. I don't think he. Ha- I don't see how he ever gets past both Mahomes and Burrow. But what if one year he gets the one seed? You know, and then, then it's you have Burrow and Mahomes, he only has to get past one. He could do hey, that. Maybe. He hasn't yet. It is, though. I mean, we do this all the time with... with young teams in like the NBA we do it all the time with young quarterbacks in the NFL and we just like oh he's the next great, great thing he's going to win two or three championships or he's going to win two or three Super Bowls newsflash it's very, it's hard, very hard to win a title like Andrew Luck never even got to the Super Bowl right um, that's what I think is going to happen to Josh Allen Drew I don't Brees, think he's ever going to make it I, I see I view him in the vein of like a Drew Brees Aaron Rodgers Brett Favre that all those guys were really good quarterbacks they won MVPs except for Drew Brees but they were never typically known as like the number one guy like with Brett Favre it was like maybe at the beginning of his career it's Joe Montana maybe toward the end it's John Elway maybe at other points it's I don't know some of these other quarterbacks with um, Drew Brees is like you have Peyton Manning and Tom Brady but he still won one that's what I think is going to happen but you are right it's going to get a lot harder moving forward the Cowboys should move on from Dak Prescott this offseason like today or soon Man, um, so I think I'm, he's got one year left on his deal. They have him on right now, right? Yeah, Is that right. I'm leaning no right now because you, you like I said, you owe 98 million and or 89 so, million. Okay, here, here's my here's my thought though. If you if you keep him for another year, I think at this point. Dak Prescott just is who he is. And I don't think the outcome is going to be any different for Dallas next season than it was this season or the season before that or the season before that. Like It's just going to be the same. Yeah. So I, I don't, I mean, and the, and the Cowboys are very much a win-now team. Like, they've got to do it quick. Okay, here's, here's a solution, possibly. Do what the Chiefs did. 
Find a quarterback you like in the draft. You might not be able to get the number one guy, but trade up to the 10th pick or whatever it is, 8th pick. Draft a quarterback you like. Let Dak be the guy for one more year. Kind of like the the Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes stuff. Sure. And then you hope you found your guy. And then after that, cut ties with Dak Prescott. Just, might have a new okay, coach. Okay, but besides the Chiefs, when has that worked? Uh, I like, mean, really Packers, works. Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Uh, the the Steelers, even though with Big Ben, he was supposed to take the full first year off, and then the, the starter got hurt, so he had to come in too early. But that was their idea. Hey. I, I get, again, like, I, I'm not it's – it's a tough choice, obviously. And I'm not saying definitively one is – better than the other but again i think if you stick with him like i don't i just think he is who he is i don't think it's going to be the outcome's going to be any different like you might make the divisional round you maybe get to the nfc title game but i don't think you're getting any further and that's how it's been the past well, three, i saw four years. Stat that uh the cowboys have been to 12 con or not consecutive but have been to 12 playoffs since their last championship game appearance as bad as the chiefs like postseason streak was where they lose all these playoff games the most they had bad. was 10. Yeah, that, that's pretty bad. The Cowboys are two above that. That's pretty bad. And again, I just, I, I just, I don't see how it's any different. That, that, that would be the case for moving on now. But obviously, like you outlined, there's money, financial aspect to it and everything. But like, man, dude, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not an easy choice. All right, last one. Nick Bosa might win defense player of the year, but Fred Warner is the 49ers best defensive player. Yeah, I can actually get on board with this. So, like, this is the the topic of best versus value. Um, I do think Nick Bosa is the most valuable player on that defense because pass rush is, like, the most valuable thing you can uh, do defensively. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So, in that sense, yes. But if you're just, like, in a vacuum, who is better? I mean, you could argue both are the best at their position. But Fred Warner, there are no other linebackers that do what he does. His ability to, yeah, that, like— that pass coverage play he had unbelievable. in the, the field, that was, that was Over CeeDee Lamb. <clears throat> it was like a yeah. top, what, 15, 20 receiver in the NFL? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was that was good. That was good. Whereas with Nick Bosa, like, again, he could be the best pass rusher in the NFL, but, like, there are other pass rushers who are very good. Not a lot of linebackers can do what Fred Warner did. And he just opens up what that defense can be by having that type of linebacker in the middle that can— because as, as much as like you love like Nick Bolton with the Chiefs, there are a lot of hesitations with like, oh, he's not great in pass coverage. 49ers don't have to worry about that. Yeah. It's yeah. such a boon to have that guy in the field yeah, I mean, on besides, third down. Besides being a tackling machine, Nick Bolton has certainly has flaws. A lot of flaws. You would you, you could argue. Fred Warner's so good. That dude's a freak. <laughs> yeah, and obviously the Niners defense, very good because of it. Mm -hmm. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's our NFL Monday overreactions. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. KU Baylor preview. This is RCST. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Get to our KU game picks and Rock Chalk pick a hawk in just a second. But first, we got to preview the KU Baylor game tonight, which you can hear here on KLWN. Pre-game starts at 6.30, tip-off at 8 o'clock. You can also listen to it on our sister station with 105.9 KISS and 1059kissfm.com. So this is obviously a big game. After you lose to TCU on Saturday, you almost have a chance to like correct yourself here. I mean it's yeah, yeah. it's not perfect because really you need to win at Fort Worth to correct it, but if you win tonight, it basically 
is a game that you were probably supposed to lose that you won, whereas you had a game you were supposed to win that you lost. So it sort of equals out. So you have that opportunity in front of you. Yeah, kind of like what we talked about in the week last week. If Kansas was able to go one and one over these next two, you'd feel okay. You'd feel, you know, maybe pretty good given the circumstances. We just thought it was going to be you win it, you win at home against CCU, and then maybe drop this one on the road against Baylor. Now it could be the reverse, but yeah, absolutely, you're right. I think if you win this game tonight, if you're Kansas, you wake up tomorrow morning thinking, all right, we're we're right where we maybe thought we might be at this point. You know, it wasn't exactly how how we thought we would get here, but you know, is it is it is it about the journey or is it about the destination? Right. We're in the same spot. Who really cares? Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're exactly you're exactly right about that. Is this is a this is a game that for Kansas, if you win it. Again, you wake up tomorrow morning and you think, all right, you know, we're good. No problems. But if you lose it, you're suddenly in the middle of the pack of a very, very, very difficult Big 12 right. that is going to be extremely, extremely challenging to draw yourself out of the middle of that pack. Right? Yeah, if like, you, if you lose this game, it, it's, it wouldn't be crazy to, to think that you could suddenly finish fourth or fifth in the Big 12. Right, because if you, if you lose the game, it's... You know, it's easy to look up and be like, well, even if they lose the game, they're five and three, and K State's six and one, and could lose to Iowa State. You're only a game behind them or a game and a half behind them at that point. But it's not just about that. It's not just being behind one team. It's about the idea that what you said, you are in the middle of the pack. Kansas or, or Texas is five and two. Iowa State's five and two. At that point, if they're beating K State, they're six and two. Baylor would now be five and three. Your same record. TCU's four and three, and they're hosting Oklahoma, so you'd expect them to win that on Tuesday night. So they'd be five and three. It's that. Now you're in a situation where it's not just that you need the team in first to lose a game or two. Yeah. Now all of a sudden they lose a game in first or second, and the team who's in second moves to first. Now you need them to lose, and then somebody else <laughs> moves. Out, right? It's it just it, becomes it's, problematic. And all that all that stuff could be very possible given how daunting the Big Twelve is. But it's like, wouldn't you rather be in a position where you can focus on just winning your games instead of thinking about, okay, well we need K State to lose at Iowa State, or we need. You know, Iowa State to lose at Oklahoma. We need TCU to lose at where at te- at Texas, wherever. You know, it it suddenly becomes you're you're doing more scoreboard watching if you're Kansas at that point. Which is which two things? A, that's not something that you're used to doing if you're Kansas. You, it's used to be just win what win the games in front of you, and that's normally what happens. And B, that can also negatively affect your game if you're starting to become more concerned about what's going on around the conference and not about what you're doing. That can negatively affect you. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, so, very important game for KU to win. For Baylor, they're sitting there going, if we win this game, we're back in the Big 12 title race. Yes. I mean, we were, we were ready to call them dead at 0-3. Yeah. They were 0-3. And right now, they're they're one of the hottest teams in the Big 12. Yeah. And listen, Baylor, You heard, actually, we heard it from when we played the Iowa with Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson, I thought it said it pretty well. This is a pretty similar team to TCU. Like, they can be very explosive. They've got very athletic guards. They can score a lot of points quickly. And for Kansas, like if someone not named Jalen Wilson doesn't step up, it, it could be tough. It could yeah, be, it very be a tough. long night. Somebody else has to step up. Multiple people have to step up. Because uh, what you said, Baylor is second in the country in offensive efficiency. They are first in Big 12 only games. They do a lot of things well. They shoot the ball well. They shoot the ball well from three. They take a lot of threes. They shoot it well from two. They shoot it well at the free throw line. They get to the free throw line a lot. They... Um, have been a really good offensive rebounding team. Yep. They're first in the Big 12 in offensive rebound rate. And the one thing that they haven't been great at this year is like they're middle of the pack in turnover numbers. But in Big 12 only play, 
They're number one in the Big 12 in, in turnover rate offensively. So this yeah, is a, they, yeah, they, they take care of the ball. This is a very, very good Baylor offense. Now, the counter to all of that stuff is the one thing that Baylor has really yep. struggled with, especially in conference play, has been defense. They have the worst defense in the Big 12. They're giving up over 50% from the floor to opponents, right? So if you're Kansas and you're thinking, okay, we've had some, we've been cold for a couple games, like we haven't shot the ball very well, this could be a game where maybe you can flip the switch and kind of shake all that off against a Baylor team that has struggled. Yeah. Now, because Baylor, I think Baylor has given up under 45% from the floor in just one game in That's conference crazy. play this season. I think it was Oklahoma State. They played Oklahoma State. Now, Oklahoma, the game that they just won, they just came off of and won, I think Oklahoma ended up shooting like 46% from the floor, so pretty close to that. Mm. But that was but 46% was one of the better defensive performances for Baylor. And you're thinking, whoa, that's not good. Remember at the beginning of the show, I was talking about the KU defense and the points allowed per 100 possessions yep. and how KU's had only five games this year that they've gone even over 100 defensively and they've all been in Big 12 play. And the TCU game was 117, and then the next lowest was like 108. Yeah. And Big 12-only games, Baylor, for the total... <laughs> Average out is at 112 <laughs> defensively. So the, the defense has not been good. Yeah. Uh, like you said, they, uh, they're they really bad at, at preventing two-point shots, which that is a very bad sign for them. But the problem for Kansas is that so far they've in Big 12 play, been able to hit two point they're shots. ninth in the Big 12 in two-point offense. So that's, yeah, exactly. that's like the opposite of um, you know an immovable force versus an unstoppable object. <laughs> it's like the complete opposite. And then yeah, on the because- flip side, Baylor it being number... Uh, one in the amount of shots they're taking from three. They shoot well from three, 36%. Teams against Kansas have shot 37% from three. That's worse than the Big 12. Yeah. Some of that might be bad luck, but Kansas has also given up a lot of open threes as part of that. So that's scary. Yeah, and I do think kind of the other concern you have when talking about the Baylor defense is for Kansas, certainly in the K-State game, and really even in the CSU game a little bit too, the issue wasn't getting open shots. The issue was making the open shots. So... Again, you go back to this game against Baylor. Like, it may not the the issue for Kansas may not be getting to the rim or getting open looks. It might be hitting them right. So that's where you'd like to see. That's where you'd like to see Grady get out of his cold streak. That's where you'd like to see Kevin McCuller step up and and show a little more confidence in in his ability to go score. Right. So those are issues. And like you touched on with the offensive rebounding, they had 17 offensive rebounds against Oklahoma. 17. That led to 30 second chance points. They only scored 62 in the whole game, and 30 of them were second chance points. So rebounding is also going to be very important, very, very, very important in this game because, like you touched on, they take care of the ball on offense. So they're going to get up shots, which when you get up shots, what does that mean? You get a chance for offensive rebounds, right? Yeah. So those are two areas that Kansas is going to have to, they're going to have to limit Baylor to one-and-done possessions, I think, as much as possible. Now, Kansas can get offensive rebounds because Baylor does give those up, but, like, this isn't, I don't know. That's yeah. not going to be a strength for Kansas. I mean, it may sound silly. Like, the solution for Kansas here seems simple, which is somebody step up besides Jalen, and you're probably going to have a chance. Like, that sounds so simple, but it's it's going to be tough to do regardless, mm-hmm. right? And, and again, I think, it's, I think it still all starts with K.J. Adams because I've talked quite a bit about this, but Kansas's half-court offense is predicated on the Dewan and K.J. high pick-and-roll near the top of the key action. That's That's like... 90% of what they've been doing in half-court offense when they have their starters on the floor. If KJ's in foul trouble, or if KJ you know, for what, is unable to, to execute that, that really, really cripples the half-court offense, and you get more of what we saw in the second half against CCU, which is dribble, pass it around, eventually Jalen gets the ball and he shoots. I mean, that was basically the Kansas offense for the second half. 
against TCU. Is everybody pass it around. Nobody wants to shoot. Eventually, Jalen gets the ball, and he either drives or he takes a contested three. That was the offense. That's why K.J. Adams is so critical. That's why he's so critical even just beyond being able to score, being able to rebound. He's just – him and Dewan are the two guys. I mean, and the thing is, like, they can run it with Bobby, but you can't run it with Zuby. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. you can run that same action with Bobby, but you can't run that same action with Zuby or Ernest or whoever else. It's only with K.J., and it works the best with Dewan and K.J. as the two starters. But that is what creates – that's what's been creating the offense for Kansas – over this past month or so. And if KJ can't get in a rhythm or if he's in foul trouble or whatever, it's it that's going to be a challenge for Kansas. And and I'll be curious to see if if Bill Self tries to expand the offense and run other stuff, but the entire offense, at least to 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 kick to start the offense. So like kick started in the half court. It's been Dewan and KJ, high pick and roll. Will that continue? I think so. But again, if KJ gets in foul trouble or if KJ for whatever reason can't do that, What's your plan B? Because the plan B against CCU was just let Jalen chuck up shots. Mm-hmm. I do actually think this is going to be a big game for KJ in that regard, as long as he can stay out of foul trouble, which you never know how that's going to work out game to game. Um, because what you're talking about there with the high pick and roll, that's something that KU has done a lot and had some success with against Baylor in some of the past years. So maybe he can you know, catch a bunch of lobs in the game or, or a bunch of short rolls and uh, have himself a game. Yeah. Um, He's going to be giving up some size to the other centers, but the good news there is that like Flo Thamba and uh, their other center, which I don't know how to pronounce it, o- Oji and Awuna or something, those two guys aren't like throw the ball on the post and let them go to work. Like each of them averaging like five and a half points per game. Yeah, they're more like rim runners. They'll get offensive rebounds. They'll you know put it back in. They'll catch a lob. They'll throw down a dunk. They'll be in the dunker spot. Um, so I think that could be a good thing, and maybe that helps KJ stay out of foul trouble because you think to, like, the TCU game, they're going to throw the ball down low to Eddie Lampkin and, and try to have and him hit a bucket. Post up, so it's easier yeah. to foul in that regard. Uh, so I do think KJ will have a good game there. I, I'm interested to see how KU matches up defensively. When you look at what Baylor does to get their points, it's basically those three guards. Like, Jalen Bridges can score for him nine and a half points per game, which, by the way, he's only shooting 25% on threes, so there's the guy who's going to hit, like, three threes tonight. <laughs> um, but Keontae George, Adam Flagler, LJ Cryer, those guys are big shot makers. They can shoot him off the dribble. They can shoot him from three off a screen. They're very versatile how they can get their shots. Yeah. George is a freshman, 17.5 points per game, 4.5 rebounds over 3 assists. Um, doesn't shoot super well from 2, but he's shooting well from 3. Flagler's at 16 a game, unbelievable pull-up shooter, over 5 assists. He's at 45% from 3. And then LJ Cryer is more of the spot-up type guy, but he can hit him off the bounce too. 39% from 3, 14 points per game. I don't know how KU is going to match this up, but yeah, you would just think because, it'll be a lot of switching. Yeah, it's tough because, you know, we talk about Kansas and how great their backcourt is defensively. Well, it's only two guys. It's only Kevin mm-hmm. and, and Dewan, right? So you can do that. You can put Kevin and Dewan on two of those guys. But then you're looking at, like, Grady matching up against Keontae George. That that scares you a little bit. Or, like, Jalen. But then you're then you're putting Grady on a bigger guy and Jalen Bridges. Like, yeah, I, I, it's tough. And I, I, I suspect that Kansas is going to be switching everything. But this is the type of game, I think, for Kansas that – if you go under a screen, you're going to pay, period. Yeah. So they, they're going to have to be very, very cautious of that, I think, on the perimeter especially. Yeah, I, I keep going back and forth whether I think in whether I think the, the switching will be good or bad this game um, because on one hand, 
You would think it would be good for denying three-point shots. Yes, and all the ball screens they run, like that yeah, would probably but, be good. But but it could be bad if, I mean, if, if you get Jalen or even Grady matched up on the perimeter against Flagler or somebody, they're just going to drive. Exactly. They'd probably have a lot of success. Yeah, and, and ideally you'd be like, well, we can just have DeWan on, on Flagler and he'll slow him down and we can have um, Kevin McCuller on Keontae George and he'll slow him down and Grady can be on LJ Cryer, who is more of that spot-up shooter, and that should be good enough, but if you're switching everything, maybe you lose some of those matchups. So I, I don't know what the better way to do it is, but I guess it all comes down to the energy because it yeah. doesn't matter what yeah. you do defensively. If you don't have the energy, you're going to get cooked tonight. You're yeah, going to get up was, 80, 90 points. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I think I think in this game, especially with, with how quick Baylor can be and how explosive they can be, I think you will be able to know within the first five minutes of the game whether Kansas is going to win or not by their energy. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where maybe if, if their energy isn't that good in the first half, but they can, they're down by single digits to start the second half. But listen, then you fall back into the trap of what we saw against TCU, where it was kind of the same deal, where the energy wasn't good, but KU cut it to 10 at half, so you're like, okay, Allen can get on a run here. And then it just, there was just no second push. There was no second push. So I think in the first five minutes of this game, you're going to be able to tell a lot about, where Kansas is at, and what kind of game it could be for them. Kansas wins if what? Oh, boy. Kansas wins, I guess, if they if they limit offensive rebounds. I mean, that's how Baylor won against Oklahoma. If you, if you make Baylor go one and done in the half court, like if they're making shots, that's fine, but when they're not making shots, if you can make them go one and done in the half court, I think that's going to give you the best chance to, to win the game. I and also, so I guess, kind of, and maybe this is just doesn't even need to be said, but somebody else besides Jalen steps up. Yeah, that has to be a given. <laughs> um, they don't win without that. I, uh, I guess if I have to pick a player who has to step up, like to me it's got to be one of Grady Dick or K.J. Adams, maybe both. And then I think KU needs... Like, the three-point difference has to it has to change here. You're looking at the last couple games. The K-State game, KU went 6 of 29 from three. K-State was uh, 7 of 17, 41%. TCU was 8 of 15, 53%. You were 7 of 21, 33%. And you've gotten some open looks from three. You yes. just haven't knocked them out. And the K-State game especially. So I'm not saying you have to like dominate the three-point line, but against a Baylor team that's going to shoot a lot of them, you're going to have to keep up with some of their volume. So basically it comes down to this. Kansas, you can't get torched from the three-point line. right? They might they might launch up 30 three-pointers. If they go 11 of 30, that might be okay as long as you can hit them too. So it has to be a big three-point shooting game for Kansas, I think. And then you cannot get worked on the offensive glass by them. That's the other yeah. one. Um, and that can lead to you having more success because – they really send numbers at getting offensive rebounds. If you can get the rebound away from them, even with them throwing numbers, that means all of a sudden they have less numbers back to defend and transition, and that's how you can get easy buckets. That's how KU boat raced Baylor last year in Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, and and maybe, listen, maybe that's a recipe for Kansas getting out of some of the other guys getting out of this offensive rut is getting out in transition and getting some of those easier buckets in transition, right? Like. Maybe that's what can kickstart Grady. Maybe that's what can get Kevin McCuller to build some confidence for himself again. You know, is those types of plays. So that that could be a key early in the game. Is if you get some easy buckets, maybe that gets you going. But on the flip side of that, like 
McCuller got 10 points, and he had some easy layups in the game against TCU, but that, that didn't seem to really jolt him at all from his confidence in terms of from the perimeter or, or outside the paint, basically. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think maybe that is something that can kickstart some of those guys and get them out of that rut, but something, something. I mean, like like you said, it, it kind of goes without going. It kind of goes without needing to be said that on top of the things that we just highlighted, Kansas just needs guys to step up besides Jalen. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to get to our KU game picks and Rock Chalk Pickahawk, and then uh, after that we'll have Bill Self post-game audio from the TCU game. This is RCST. You're listening on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it.